everybody, and welcome to the third season of IWAS with your hosts, Ian Dunbar, Kelly Dunbar, and me, Jamie Dunbar. So, what are we going to talk about this week, Jamie? Well, this week we're going to talk about dogs and dog trainers in the media. Books, TV, movies, the most famous ones out there. Oh, that'll be a fun topic. Yeah. So, I, I'd say that a large part... I had a TV show once, you know. I did. Yeah, I do yeah. know. I do know that. It showed can... in Malta and Singapore. Yeah, it went around the world. That was and it. And England. And England, of course. Yeah, yeah. I know. But it, it didn't that. really sort of conquered England and changed dog training, but it didn't really conquer the world. So it was the most popular dog training show in, in England no, at that time. No, English <laughs> in the English language, apart from in England and America. <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> Oh, dear. All right. in time. All right. Come on, Jamie. A large part of the problem in training dogs is getting owners to confront the fact that their dog is, in fact, a dog and not a little person in a dog suit. That's probably because the idea of the talking dog is such a wonderful one in entertainment. You know, the notion of a dog being very smart and helpful is very common, but so are dogs that are really, really stupid. <laughs> I've just met you and I love you very much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I believe that was an up reference. <laughs> What are the stereotypes of dogs that are portrayed in the media? And how has this affected our perception of dogs? Oh, well, I mean, you know, you need to even finish the sentence. It's, I mean, and how does this affect training? I said you needn't even finish the sentence, Jamie. <laughs> but I'm gonna. Um, okay. I mean, Lassie. I mean, it's like Lassie created this myth that here's a dog that can run for help, you know, call to order a pizza and fix your car and, and, and didn't require any training and I think it really changed people's perceptions thinking that oh if we get a collie or one of them smart dogs we don't need to train it forgetting of course that Lassie was one of the most highly trained dogs there was Lassie was an actor you know this was not the way Lassie normally acts it's a it's a fictional plot and and the dog Editing has been trained yeah. to do it and so I, I think that had a huge effect, and, and still to this day. Mm -hmm. um, and Lassie's you, not the only one. Yeah, I mean, you can see like Eddie, Everington, Tin, and... Wishbone. Um, and Wishbone, then, oh yes. Very that's a dog. children's... I, just, I don't know who Wishbone is, Jamie. Yes, oh, I, it was on a like, PBS show, I believe. Oh, I see. But he solved mysteries. Yeah. Wishbone anyway. wore a lot of costumes. You know, and, and even Eddie. I mean, if you look at Eddie, who's on Frasier, um, I mean, the dog was a delinquent. I mean, he went through owners like you can't believe until Matilda de Cagney got him. Oh, this is the, the dog yeah, actor. Yeah, the dog actor. Moose. Moose, yeah. And, um, but it makes people think, wow, those Jack Russells, they're really well behaved. I mean, no, they should look at his rap sheet. I mean, this mm -hmm. dog wasn't house trained for ages. They could never let him off leash. She'd always run off. Everything was about Eddie, 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 me, 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 you know. Mm -hmm. um, but then he was trained. And then he does his role. And, and, and they forget that. These dogs are so highly trained. Even the Chihuahua that sold the... Taco Bell? Taco Bell, yeah. Mm -hmm. A trained dog. So when I think you that was see... also a talking dog. Yes, talking dog. <laughs> um, well, and they're also only doing it in <clears throat> tiny little segments. It's edited down. Obviously, it's a trained moment. It's not how the dog actually acts all day long either if you say train dog then i'm afraid people are going to think yes i mean dogs can't drive to... cars i mean that's a fact that we watch movies and we're led to believe that they can right. drive cars so that's certainly so. one of the major stereotypes that is out there and that is affecting the public's perception of dogs is this incredibly smart dog that knows how 
you know, humans are working and what they're thinking and well, how to help them. It, it's, yeah, a very anthropomorphic view of how dogs would be as if they're just, they are, as if they are little humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, it, and it is very breed specific that once a dog becomes a TV dog or a film dog, um, if it's a good role he's playing in, then, of course, everyone wants that dog. I mean, we, we go through this thing every seven years when the 101 Dalmatians is released. Now, everyone's getting a Dalmatian. Mm-hmm. Everyone's getting a, um, a St. Bernard or everyone wants a German Shepherd or a Jack, a, you know, Jack Russell. Yeah. And so it, it does actually do dogs, I think, a lot of disservice because it then um, they lose their education because the owners think, oh, they're smart. No, if you get this type of dog, he's smart. He doesn't need to be trained. So that has a huge knock-on effect, which to this day, there's still a lot of people who think that. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up the idea of people kind of jumping on the idea of the breed being what's responsible for the dog's behavior. Because on the flip side of this idea of the stereotypically loyal, smart, helpful, you know, anthropomorphized dog... You've, you've also got the dogs that are totally out of control. The like, there's that character, well, yeah. you know, in movies as well. You've got, like, uh, the Turner and Hooch. you got the Marmaduke, you know, yeah. the dog that's mm-hmm. big and slobbers o- over everything and just kind of runs around and is completely out of control. And it's kind of the opposite. And that's never also stereotype. never attributed to lack of training. It's like, oh, that's just Marmaduke. But also, yeah, yeah, that becomes... Oh, you know, there he goes again. That becomes a breed <laughs> stereotype <laughs> as well. Shake like, their head and roll their eyes. But it doesn't stop them getting the breed. The interesting thing is they think, oh, that was that was the dog on the movie. But no, we'll get a great no, but you don't, you we'll... don't, But you don't get as much popularity, uh, the, uh, the popularity boom of a breed that, I mean, uh, well, maybe you do. Maybe you do, like with Beethoven. I guess, did St. Bernard's get popular yeah, with the but... Beethoven? series hmm. even though he was pretty out of control wasn't he yeah so what kind of person get to saint bernard after seeing beethoven yeah narcissistic, narcissistic. <laughs> the same kind of people that might you know i mean even the even the dogs that get a bad reputation in a movie um will draw a certain personality type you ever do you remember well you won't remember jamie but back in the 70s the doberman gang yes and they yeah. were smart but also tough right i mean they, i guess they were good guys but you know people... well that was the stereotypical you know protection dog to have back then dobies mm-hmm. i mean which seems really silly when you see them with tails and hanging down ears you think <laughs> that dog i mean looks so dorky mm-hmm. but um yeah i think then it, what what i'm thinking is that it boils down to the, the problem is that all of these attributes are attributed to the breed because there's nothing else kind of that we're given to work off of very little popular media very few movies or cartoons or or the, TV shows show any of any aspect of training. There's no training in yeah. any of these. The, the only it stands out. I mean, uh, thinking the the only sort of media the book, um, strangely enough, uh, coincidentally, Amy Tan's book, um, the fish drown, saving fish from saving drowning. fish from drowning, mm-hmm. where one of the key players was a dog trainer who Harry coincidentally Bailey. Hallie Bailey was based on yours truly here, but she describes really good dog training. In, that was her intent. In a novel. That, that was her. Yeah, She's that was her intent. In and mm-hmm. I must add, um, right now, currently, I'm so excited because it's just about to be released. How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, yes. Coming out. Is there 
Uh, and their reward-based good training news methods? is from what I've seen in there, he's luring the dragon. He's got food uh-huh. in his hand, and he's well, how are you gonna how are you gonna reprimand him? a dragon? And it's not gentle, you know. You're not gonna hit well, it with a newspaper. It's, it's right? the last thing you do, and then <laughs> then you're toast. It's about befriending the dragon and uh, actually exciting. training him. Yeah. And um, you well, know. maybe we should make a Dog Star Daily field trip and all go see yes, it together. Yes, yes. It's, it'll Evaluate be it. That would be nice. And it's in 3D. You can see it in 3D too, which will be cool. You know, the dragons are swooping at you. But these are. These are exceptions. You know, how often but is there a novel? Maybe it's changing. Maybe it's maybe it's a science. Yeah. I, I think yeah. No, that's all of these dogs, whether they are playing good characters or they're playing out of control characters. People love these movies. I mean, the fact is, if you have a dog in a movie, that's the major thing. You know, when I, when I was helping out with Up, they said you must not mention dogs are in the movie. This is absolute secret. You've got to sign the official secrets act. Mm-hmm. You know, because they they wanted to explode it with the publicity, and when the dogs are there, people are so fascinated that a a good movie, I, I mean, a movie or you know, on dog training is just it's begging to happen, mm-hmm. where the protagonist will be a dog trainer or maybe two types of dog trainers, one who's sort of you know training the dog on leash Kids. and jerking him, and then. Then you have a younger dog trainer who's uh, luring or clicker training or all and unreward training, and because it it really does a lot to educate. Like I, I said to Amy when I read the book, I said, you know, your book I think will educate more dog owners than my entire life. Right. That there's not many people buy dog training DVDs and dog training books unless they're already on board. Yeah, but loads of people buy um, novels. Yeah, and and I think to, and and we all agree. I mean, this is the springboard. The how to um, train a dog or educate a dog properly. That's the springboard for how to, um, you know, uh, work with kids or relate to humans. Mm -hmm. No, this got a lot of application, but I don't know. I mean, I guess it's interesting to me how people, you know, they can go see an action movie and they don't come home and think that people can leap from building to building. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't go and try to do that kind of stuff, you know. Um, I'm not oh, even talking superheroes. Yeah. I'm talking yeah. like in basic action movies, right. right? They manage always to leap from building rooftop to rooftop. Yeah, they never know? get hit by a bullet, you know, you while know, there's 40 yeah. militia men shooting at them with a, an automatic all rifle. All these car chases where they make it, you know, in all these dramatic situations. And nobody believes that, but yet they believe that, you know, the, the, the ever-faithful Hachiko... You know, was loyal to the end and would never have a, a bad moment. You know, it's interesting how they don't, you know, they put that in the realm of truth rather than, than right. fiction. Pe- I mean, people are well versed in seeing movies and recognizing that they're not real. <laughs> exactly. You know, whether it's a romantic comedy or a horror or an action. Exactly. Yeah, so, so, so I think, you know, movies, so goes... especially, they, 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 I mean, it's just begging to happen for a good movie about dog training because. My view is, up till now, they haven't really done dogs a service. They've created the myth that dogs come ready trained, especially if it's this breed. And then another thing that happened in the media, that if we went back just 30 years ago and you looked at any book um, and and where did this author live, um, they either lived in New York or close to London. And so the big publishing houses in the world who publish books on dog training would say, oh, we need someone to write a dog training book. And then someone in the office would say, oh, yeah, I've got a trainer. She, you know, he's really good. He, you know, Mm -hmm. so if you were in and around New York or London, you would be the person asked to write a book on dog training. It had nothing to do with meritocracy. You could be an average trainer, 
but now you were the one who became famous, the same thing happens in um, on TV now. Right. That you live in L.A., or now more recently, maybe Florida, you know, um, with Animal Planet. And it, again, it has nothing to do with meritocracy. With, with the general public is not seeing dog trainers which are... Um, Special. I'm not denigrating dog trainers on TV. I'm just saying they have been selected by chance because they're close to the TV yeah. industry. Well, any sort of media, That's, it's about connections. It's, you know, who knows which producers who knows and who, you, yeah, who knows which financiers right. and, you know, which projects get greenlighted because of personal connections, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that in all fields, that's something that is slowly changing and is very exciting. You know, we've got all of these reality shows that try and find the best people in their field, whether it's fashion designers or uh, models or chefs, or uh, they even had um, a show about dogs that was some sort of reality oh, yes. competition. America's Greatest Dog. America's Greatest Dog, I believe. <laughs> America's Greatest Dog. Yes. Which I don't think, I think it was a... Great, greatest American Dog, sorry. Yeah, it, it was 2008, 2009, so I don't think it got picked up, but oh, it, it was... No, I mean, I don't think it got oh, uh, oh, repeated. Re repeated. Yeah, it had oh, one yeah. season. It was on national. Yeah, national. Well, TV. it's like all of these reality things. I mean, I, I was sort of tangentially involved with um, a number of these reality dog programs right at the beginning and gave them what I thought were loads and loads of great ideas. But then it gets to TV and it, it turns into fluff. Formulaic they, fluff. They, they are forgetting, as we've discussed already, people love dogs. They like them when they're silly. They like them when they misbehave. They love them when they're good and intelligent. They love dog training. It is, it is just, it's, it's real fodder for TV. But when you fluff it up into a show, um, I mean, like I've given lots of um, like suggestions for game shows with dogs. Like I thought would be and easy to film. So everyone gets a problem. They have one week to train the dog to do it and they film at home in like a 10 by 10 area. Like for example, you have to teach your dog to find your car keys, the remote control for the telly, but you don't know which one it is and then you're told to do it and it's filmed. And so it's an in the home competition and then we actually bring them into the studio. But the comments were, but yeah, but we've got to have families that have drama. Maybe maybe they have a child who has cancer. There's always the formula. They're and always I think dumbing it down. You, you people, what is wrong with it's, you? There's this entertaining fake, enough yeah, on its this own merit. Fake, you know, these fake arguments, this fake disagreement, this being nasty to people. I mean, it's what I didn't like about that dog show. What a great concept. People are training their dogs to do things. Why couldn't we had a panel that said to everyone, you know, that was really good. It made me laugh, but it's it's not as good as the one that's won. Or, mm -hmm. you know, rather than saying, that was terrible. That was awful. You should be a shit. You know, these people who put their hearts into doing it. And then we have to get the, like the Simon Cowell of, of dog training. Mm -hmm. And it ruins the whole thing. And, and, and I think what TV is missing is a good basic program on people training dogs so that the general public goes, wow. Mm -hmm. Because it is Hollywood, you know, that I think has screwed up dogs. And we go back a long time now to before we really, before we had pet dog training, I mean, it didn't exist till like 1980 when I coined the term that this is different from obedience stuff. What happened was a number of trainers, ex-military trainers, you know, they've come out of the military. They haven't got a job because they were fighting for their country. They don't have an education. So they're going to train dogs. Well, whose dogs are they going to train? The public's dogs. What method do they use? The military method. 
Why? They live in Hollywood. They now become so famous because they are training dogs for the movies. And then this military method, which was essentially keep your dog on leash and do lots of marching and stuff, and, and it was boot camp. Precision we, work. Well, we want to know if the dog freaks out. He does it in training, not when he's in the trenches. So there was a reason for the military dog training method to be brutal. Or as hell. If you like. yeah. Not that it was necessary, but that's no, what they did. No, it was unnecessary. But, but then that became the standard method that was inflicted on the general public where over half the trainers are children. It was craziness, but it was the fact that these trainers lived close to Hollywood and got their fame through, you know, training dogs for the movies that it then spread mm -hmm. right across the world. This is now how we train dogs. You put them on, we don't give them an education, you ignore them till they're six months to 12 years, 12 months old, and then you jerk the living daylights out of them. And the, training, and the training takes forever. You, you, you never get a reliable off-leash dog. So this damage, you know, goes back really to, it's like the 50s. Mm -hmm. And it tainted dog training to this day. And what? so now I think it's time for Hollywood um, and TV to repair the damage. Well, I think instead of, I, th I think it'd be valuable to kind of connect the dots instead of going from that historical point to right now, kind of talk about what has happened in the interim from, you know, this, the advent of military training uh, being publicized for pet dogs, what what kind of followed that, and what have been the stepping stones? Who have been the who have been the dog trainers that have been successful in the media since then? Why have they been su successful, and kind of what has that done to the psyche? Yeah, well, we had that, that wonderful English trainer, um, and Barbara. And um, so was Barbara Woodhouse? Are you talking about yourself? Oh, Barbara... Are you talking about yourself? No, I'm not <laughs> oh, right. about Barbara Actually, she lived very close to my mother in England. Um, Barbara Woodhouse, whatever, she became famous overnight in America because the show had become this popular show in England. But you see, people were watching it in England because it was high comedy. You'd be in a pub and people would say, hey, the dog lady's on, put on the telly. Uh -huh. And you would watch, let's go, walkies, sit. Okay. <laughs> But she had skills, you know. She would explain to a dog. There was no dog in her presence. There was no person in her presence who didn't know whether this behavior was right or wrong. She was as clear as a bell. This is right. Let's go walkies or sit. <laughs> you know, so that was the thing, you know, the skills she had. But it wasn't why the program became famous. It became famous because it was a comedy show in England, and then it was one of these news programs, I don't know, something like 60 Minutes. Right, that picked did, it up in America. Picked it up in America and said, wow, this show. And it, so it then became really popular in America, but everyone thought it was a dog training program, which it was, but that wasn't the reason for the popularity. The popularity was she was hilarious. Mm -hmm. I mean, you couldn't... The, the, the episode where she hits the doctor, you know, she, she has a... It says that when you want to reward a dog in a down state, you, you, you scratch him on the brisket with this finger, like this, using yeah, the middle, middle finger. finger. Right? Yeah, so the doctor does it with his index finger. So she comes up to him, smacks his hand, says, no, not this finger, this finger, <laughs> holding up her middle finger to the American audience, which, you know, is hilarious. Yep. So... You know, and then I guess the... I mean, there haven't been too many really famous dog but which trainers also, on the sorry, telly. That already starts yeah. with the formulaic stuff right there. Oh, yes. So, oh, it's got to be this finger. I mean, it's a funny joke, but the 
well, the, the matter is... Back then, training was methodological. Rather than having learning theory principles, they would say, you have to have, need a six-foot leash, this type of collar, you hold the leash in this hand and that hand, and you step off with your left foot. Mm -hmm. And it was all of this choreography, the method behind it, the secret method, mm -hmm. you know, rather than, say, learning theory principles. Right. Whereas today, you know, we, 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 training is much more principle-based. But, I mean, I think there's there's room for being specific with owners and I, I've noticed you know in in the stuff that, that we tell people that you know it's your dog goes to the bathroom outside you give them three liver treats and you're very specific that it's three oh, liver yeah. treats because yeah. you know you don't want people to just be like ah oh, here's a piece of kibble you know and, and sometimes people benefit from very specific instructions oh yes they, it, you see if you say get praise your dog give a bit of kibble they don't but if you say give three liver treats everyone does and maybe that's the case where the if finger. you say scratch with your middle finger like two inches below the collar they'll actually do it yeah. whereas if you say scratch them give you know, your belly uh, give a chest so, so if we move along on this this journey to like where we so are barbara, now uh, yeah so after house. barbara i would say comes um no? No, no, no. I think Monks of New Skeet's book. They didn't have a TV really, show. No, but they, still they had a book yeah. which had People a massive impact Skeet. on training. And when you realize what training was like then, it was, you know, ignore the dog, leash it, jerk it. The dog sleeps outside. This was the view, mm -hmm. or sleeps downstairs. And that was, and with, even with Barbara? That was, it just yes, makes Barbara's yes. behavior very narrow. Yeah. Right? One of the things the monks of New Skeet said, and this was basically Joe Michael Evans writing the first book, was that the dog sleeps in your bedroom. And so that was stunning and amazing. They made the big point that you have a relationship with your dog. Sadly, their training style was the boring old Conrad Most Germanic, you know, military style. But because they did this relationship thing, that was, books, kind of... that was good. The book yeah. sold well. But then everyone thought, well, this is how you train a dog. The old dominance, alpha rollover, you know. So that gave those methods an enormous push. Mm -hmm. um, Although it did introduce this idea of your dog didn't have to be a military dog. It could be your buddy that you cuddle with. That's it, yeah. You know? And that's, yeah. that's a nice step in the right direction. And then I guess uh, the Matthew Margolis TV program. He wrote Oof. many books. Um, Uncle Maddie. And he was, when he, he changed in the course of doing the program, from the first series, it was pretty much, you know, leash correction, if the dog's doing something wrong, give him a leash jerk, to then he became a very smiley, there's a good boy, good boy. So mm -hmm. in the course of his program, it started off entirely leash correction, and then we ended up now, it had like a PC makeover, that he was now praising dogs really nicely. Um, then I'd say next in, was my program in England. Um, training which, Dogs with Dunbar. Training Dogs with Dunbar, <laughs> which, um, um, how I forget the name, changed dog training pretty much in one year that you would go. It, it was delightful that everything was on leash, six months to a year old. Then one year later, it went from one puppy school in England to 83 you mean, puppy it schools. Dog, yeah, it changed, it dog, changed training. dog training. It didn't change because, the show. No, no, no. The, the show, show was the same old, same old. Well, it started with puppy training. But, the, the thing was, you see, people, the general public, now change dog training. They would go to a class and say, no, we don't want this on-leash stuff. We mm -hmm. want the off-leash puppies, you know, sit down, sit. We want to have fun. Play. And so the general public then insisted we have puppy classes, and, and that was a massive change. 
And then we go into like 10 years of nothing. And then all of a sudden we have dog shows up the wazoo. You know, we have uh, Ben Chesley out there as well. Caesar Milan. Yeah, from Victoria's Why still well to Caesar Milan. 10 years, do you think, that it was I don't know, Jamie. We, we tried, you know, we would go to, um, not we, me, but my producers would go to MAP, to Monte Carlo. This is the big TV selling place, you know, every year. And we tried to sell the program. We could not get by. Well, television was very limited um, and very expensive. Very I mean, until, yeah. until cable oh. really took off where you have more channels with more options. And then with the, really with the advent of reality TV, was yeah. starting with Survivor. That's when suddenly right, there real are only people. X number of shows getting put get, out. Yeah, before. And now you need so many more shows. You need filler. Animal Planet having its own channel. Now you have to fill up a whole. Right. Well, 24 hours. And they still haven't come up with a good dog training program. That is what I think is amazing with Animal Planet. That it, here is a single channel network that could change dog training worldwide overnight, and we still haven't got a real fun dog training show. I mean, we have shows, but what I'm saying is really hitting the general public with this is the fun you can have when you train your dog, and wow, this is what you can do. Yes, it was just uh, praise only. Look at the reliability of that dog off leash. I do think that's why it's changed. There's, you know, average people now have more of an opportunity to get on TV. Not average people, yeah. but you know, there's more. Well, just that general trend to uh, decentralization of media, TV, where yeah, yeah. you know any Yahoo can film a video and post it on YouTube. You know, and and potentially Jamie, uh, we film videos and post and, them on YouTube. And, <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that every person who posts on YouTube is a it's Yahoo. A Yahoo. Yeah. I'm saying that any Yahoo could. It doesn't require yeah. a film crew. It doesn't require no. a gaffer and a producer and a you know multi thousand dollar budget. It's Just, and if it's good, it can blow up viral, and everyone can see it see and it. people will refer. It is. It's it actually takes. more than that. I, I think uh, listeners probably don't realize what it costs. It's multi million dollar budget mm. when you're talking on a, a TV, TV program. Time slot, you mean? On, yep. On when it is network. done that way. Um, I mean, my little training show was a, a, a million bucks per, um, you know, season. And that was way back then. That was a long right. time ago. And I looked into, oh, it was about 10 years ago of setting up a dog channel, a, a cable dog channel. And we looked into this and we were pretty close to some investors, but the price tag was $250 million in order to do it. And um, we actually came very close with the drug company getting the money, but then we, it was just, it's ridiculous. We could not do that. I mean, that's what's so delightful about Dogstar. When we look at our budget mm -hmm. and what we've spent overall, it's, you know, we're not even into six figures yet. If right. we have we this have amazing a channel, site. Essentially. Yes. Oh. Yes. A channel where we can put whatever we want on, mm -hmm. on, on the internet for people. So, I mean, dog training, dogs in the media, there's a lot of room for improvement. I guess the question is, what can can we do and what is going to happen that, that can bring about positive change to the way the public sees dog training? That's a good segue, Jamie. I think we all know <laughs> what we can do because it's the thing that, that I am most excited about of all the things I've been involved in in my entire career. This is the thing that, that just makes me smile the most, that um, we will be launching... Um, a couple of programs very shortly and um, the first will be called America's Dog Trainer mm -hmm. and the delight is we can do it exactly how we want to how we think it should be done that most dog training programs have a host 
a talent. Sometimes it's combined in one person, someone who knows about the topic and can smile and look good on camera. Um, and they do a series and it's good. Then they do a second year and it's okay. And then by the time they get round to year four, they, are, they, they haven't got any new, it's the same old, same old. So for years, I thought that a dog training program should have a different trainer each week. And, and that's precisely what we'll be launching in. When are we going to launch it? As week? soon as possible. As soon as possible. It, okay. By the time this iWoof comes out, it will it probably will be already, already be out yeah. there. Yeah. And so we're going to have a different trainer each week. This will be an ongoing program. It'll mm -hmm. run forever. So that means we'll have 52 trainers in the first year. And... Also, hot on the heels will be World's Dog Trainer, a different dog trainer from a different country each week. And it's just, you know, 20-minute episodes, basically them showing this is what I do. And I think once the general public sees what's out there and they see how much fun um, this can be, um, Animal Planet will be copying this. Everyone will be copying this format because this is this is the way to go. And the trainers are out there. There's so many talented, oh, so many. funny, you know, yeah. dynamic people out there that we have been fortunate we're enough to meet. We're gonna find them. Well, and we bring them to you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, they deserve they deserve to be showcased. So this, I guess, is the the official announcement for America's Dog Trainer. I think it's really going to change things worldwide. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned next week though and we'll tell you a little bit more about it. Yeah. So it's time to say goodbye to everybody. Bye everybody. Goodbye everybody. Goodbye everybody. That's all for this episode of iWoofs. Thank you for listening.